Hey ladies, welcome to the Yas and Amen podcast, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla Dominguez. Let's get it. Hey everyone, I can't believe that we are back. Uh, and when I say I can't believe it, it's just because this has been a wild few months in 2023, and I hesitated to consider, am I bringing this back this year am i waiting for next year but i'm bringing it back i'm bringing it back right now and i'm just doing it i'm literally recording this episode a week before uh, i release it next week and so i'm excited to have you here thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for being here for the past three years or if you're new welcome bienvenida uh, we launched this podcast, I launched this podcast in August 2020 in the middle of the panorama. And, you know, here we are three years later, season six, episode one. So just so you know, uh, usually I do have guests, usually there are meditations, um, but this is just going to be an episode where I give you a mix of different things. First, we're going to talk a little bit about five things I've learned in the past year about living justly while staying, being a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and that actually has happened. This is a mark of a year that I uh, quit my job, full-time work, and decided to be home full-time. Then I'll also talk a little bit about uh, deconstructing. There's been a lot of talk about that word in a while, and so I'm going to be talking about it a little bit. And then I'm going to close the episode with giving you an update on seminary. Why I decided to go to seminary. If you didn't see the announcement, I shared it with my email list and with Instagram last week on that I'm going to seminary. And if you don't know what that is, I'll talk a little bit about what that is, why I ended up going, what school I'm going to, why, all the things. So let's start with first this. I'm talking about five things I've learned in the past year about living justly while being a stay-at-home mom. But really it's while being a stay-at-home mom slash work from home mom slash school from home mom. It's all the things. I don't know what would define a stay-at-home mom specifically and if, or if I am that specifically because I do have a, an entrepreneurial job. I have a small business. I do go out of my home to work, uh, whether that is speaking or teaching. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know who defines what in these terms. I'm very new to these terms, uh, but I'm home, right? Physically home for the most part. And so uh, these are five things I've learned in the past year in regards to living justly while being home. And the reason why I wanted to start this season and talking about this is because I'm very passionate about the body of Christ living justly. Uh, but I think people consider the reasons why I am passionate about it is for two things. Because I used to be a social worker and I still consider myself a social worker, but I used to be a more active social worker in the social service field. Um, and because I am a person of color. And it's not because of any of those reasons. <laughs> it's because simply Jesus calls us to live justly. He says this in Micah 6, 8, where scripture says, uh, and, and this is, there's definitely different versions of this, uh, especially this verse, but it says, he has told you, O man, what is good? This is the ESV version. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is so interesting because very few times, uh, or we could really even consider this be the only time in scripture that that question is being asked. What does the Lord require of you? Sometimes I've heard in Christian spaces that people say that the Lord doesn't require anything of us to just love him. First of all, that is something. <laughs> to love him is a big deal and it is something. But actually, yes, the Lord does require something of us. He, he doesn't do it in a way that is demanding. He doesn't do it in a way that is rule-based, but he is saying, 
if you are saying that you are Christian, if you are saying you're to follow me, then yeah, there are things that require a response or a lived out experience based on you stating this is who you are and this is, and that you're following me. And so this verse uh, where it's saying, what does the Lord require of you? The response is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Other versions say uh, to do what is right. Other versions say to act justly. And when I kind of put those together to act justly, to live justly, to, um, sorry, to act justly, to do justice, to do what is right, all I can come up with is to live justly. Because what we do, how we act, and what is right and what we do right in the world is how we live. It is based on how we live and how we decide to live. So this verse is often and more than anything telling us and teaching us to live justly. So no, I'm not committed and passionate about living justly because I come from the social service field or because I'm a person of color. It's because it's what Jesus requires of us. And if I love him and I want to follow him and I want to claim to be a follower of his, then I should do what he requires of me. And so in thinking about that, the five things I've learned in the past year um, in living justly and being at home, I wanted to highlight this because I think people assume that uh, only, the only people that can live justly are those who are doing uh, working in the social service field or working in the justice center field. But really, justice is all around us. And the work of justice can be done in every component of our life, um, which is why, again, it is to live justly, not go work somewhere and do justice, but live justly. Okay, so the first thing out of the five is living justly includes both the people in your home and outside your home. Part of living justly is that I would be committed to dignifying the people that I live with. In this case, it's my husband and my son. If I am out here in the streets serving people and dignifying all people and I'm dehumanizing my husband, disrespecting my husband, um, dehumanizing my, my son and, and, and treating him like nothing because he's smaller and he does, he knows less, then I am not living justly. I'm actually living hypocritically. I'm living double-mindedly. And so when we are, how we are acting outside of our home should very well be connected and aligned to how we act within our home. And so this actually is a good example when we think about, because we often think about this in the sense of mission work, that people will go so far in the world for a week or so or a month or so to serve people somewhere else. But are they, would they be willing to serve the people in their neighborhood, in their home, in their building, in their block in the same way? Or have they even done that before? To live justly in a very practical everyday way is to do it in our homes first and then with our neighborhoods, and then we continue to extend it out to the rest of the world. I'm not putting shade to people who have done mission work. Please don't mishear me in that. What I'm saying is that we should be aligned and doing this across the board in our life, including in our homes. The second thing of living justly is uh, to living justly has everything to do with how I run my home and how we live within it. So again, with kind of like acknowledging who is in my home and how do I open it up? How do I make it a place that is safe? How do I make it a place where all people of all races and backgrounds and, and experiences uh, can feel welcome? For about two months ago, our son turned two and we had about 30 people in our apartment in New York City. If you're, I'm sure you've seen those reels of apartments in New York City where they're making fun of people for living in a closet in New York City because our apartments are so small. It's actually very true. Very, a lot of apartments are very small. Uh, we happen to not live in a very small apartment uh, so, and we also have like some sort of outdoor area. So. 
we had 30 human beings in this space. Um, it was quite a lot, but it was really beautiful. And I saw it just as a picture of living justly, of creating a space, of creating a room for the tapestry of humanity to find a, a place to be communal, to be a place to um, celebrate, to be a place that even if we all come from different places, if we have different opinions, that we can be in this place and it is sacred and it is safe to do so. And that is one of the ways that we live justly by making our home be a place that that can exist and that can be uh, them for not just the guests that come to your house but also the people that you live with and this can apply to roommates this can apply to your parents this doesn't just have to be um, if you are a wife or a husband um, or even a, or a child of someone like right like in living in the home like this can apply to anyone that you live with the third thing is living justly doesn't change because I'm no longer directly in the social service field. And I said this earlier, and I'll always be saying this and saying it again, that living justice justly is not specific to a job, which is why the word living is essential in that part, because it's not working justice. Um, and even in the verses in Micah 6, 8, there are some versions that say do justice. And I want us to not misunderstand where it says do justice, because sometimes we'll think the word do means work. But do is the everyday. Right now, I'm doing a recording as a podcast, right? Like I'm going to do something to then prepare for my son to go to sleep in a few minutes. Like the doing of our life is not always associated to work, but sometimes we do that. We do associate doing to work. Um, but in the case of that verse where it says do justice, really it's saying you do a million things a day. Make sure that in your doing that there is justice and that there, it's justice centered in your everyday life. So although I left working full time uh, because actually God called me out of that for this season, whether it's for a season forever, I don't know what it is for, but he called me out of working full time in the social service field for now. That does not mean I stopped being a social worker, does not mean I stopped being a justice worker, does not mean I stop living justly. Number four is living justly means I consider our bills, our mail, our garbage, everything that's happening within our home is connected to living justly. Let me explain. When I think about our bills, right, how much money we are spending on um, certain bills and certain things, how much also are we being generous? How much also are we donating to places are, that are in need of support? Um, but also then simple things when even again come in, connected to the bill and then mail, am I trying to sign up for paperless options. That, that might seem like a small thing, but you know why it's not small? Because by making something paperless, then less paper is being produced, less trees are being killed, less paper is just out there uh, to not just be recycled or thrown out or even thrown into the sea. We are serving the earth, which is another form of justice. We can forget that the addressing climate change, addressing what's going on in the world is absolutely uh, when it comes to natural disasters and, and the weather and all that stuff is absolutely living justly. Us, be, us being aware of how that affects the global sisterhood and brotherhood of humanity is important. And that goes for small things like paperless mail, right? That goes for my garbage. Am I recycling in my home? Or am I just throwing everything in one bag and not really thinking about, well, two things, not really thinking about if the recycling even matters, but also who's doing the garbage. Maybe you're different from me, but I live in a building in New York City. And so we have superintendents here and superintendents or people they hire do the garbage. And even if a tenant in the building does not do their due diligence of separating the the 
garbage with the recycling the super ends up having to do it anyways so i'm living justly by even separating my garbage by dignifying that yes he doesn't like it's part of his job description but how can i contribute to being able to acknowledge hey i can also do this like it's it's not that deep and i can just have two separate things for my garbage and recycling and so even in those moments like we really might not really realize that our living justly is even in those moments because one i'm considering another human being and two i'm considering all of our earth because i'm choosing to recycle and separate recycling and so that's within our home so much justice can be lived out it's just a matter of really acknowledging like how am i noticing that in the everyday with the with the if we're using air conditioner is it eco-friendly like all these different kinds of things that we can simply make decisions to live differently so we live justly and the fifth one is living justly means if i'm willing to support organizations doing work in other countries and places then i should also and primarily be praying for my neighborhood and invest in my local community Here's the thing, y'all. There's things happening all the time everywhere. Right now, as I'm recording this, there's a hurricane happening in Florida. A few weeks ago, there a fire started in Maui that destroyed a whole town. And they're still recovering from it and still de- dealing with it. Right now, in this very moment, there are hundreds, if not thousands of things occurring on earth that are devastating, that are tragic, that are traumatizing, that are terrible. Yet, what is my role in living justly in those things? Yes, I definitely can and should support these things that's happening around the world and being prayerful about where the Lord wants me to steward my funds and my efforts and my support uh, and even maybe my education and my capacity to support. But am I doing it also in my local setting, in my local context? We don't have to think that way in extreme of like some people will think of it like, well, only America. I will only invest in things in America and ministries in America and only in in the work that's being done in America. I'm not saying to go there, but I'm saying your local town, community block, everything that is going on around you, people are also experiencing injustices. And you may assume, oh, well, black people don't live really live around here. So like there isn't much injustice. Injustice is not just a racial thing. Um, And so really considering what are the injustices happening in your area and how can you be living justly in order to respond to them? And and responding to them looks a lot of different ways. I, I will leave you to create discernment around figuring out what that is for you. So those are the five things, y'all. Those are the five things I've learned and not really learn, but just more than anything, have been developed a deeper awareness of and have concentrated in understanding more and how I can live this out more um, in this past year since becoming a stay at home, work at home, study at home, whatever you would like to call it, at home mom. And so I hope what that does, it encourages you to reflect on what this looks like in your context, in your setting, in your home, in your blog, in your area, because we don't need to become, um, we don't need to get a certain degree. We don't need to do a certain thing to live justly, but we actually just live justly or we can live justly in our everyday life in very practical ways. There's actually some resources on our faith growing um, page on our website that you can find uh, that can support you in that. Okay, now switching gears. I feel like this just episode is all over the place and that's okay. I've been hearing more and more episodes of podcasts where just like 
maybe it's not a concentrated um, topic, but um, just introducing kind of like the season. But the next thing I wanted to talk about is deconstruction. And before I kind of get into it, I want us to always remember that the word deconstruction and any word um, can be defined by different people in different ways. Uh, even if there's an actual dictionary word, right? I wrote a Substack post a few weeks ago about the word woke and where it came from and how people have changed it and more than anything, how people have colonized it. And so we really get to acknowledge that like the word, every word um, holds weight, holds a story, holds a narrative, holds um, certain truths that people uh, have their projections and perspectives that they project onto those words. Uh, and so specifically deconstruction, especially in the Christian world, oh man, it, it is can become very divisive. People can assume that that means someone is walking it on, 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 on eggshells and they're, they're, they, may, they might leave the faith. Like it just has become so many different things. But the true reality is that the moment we gave our life to Jesus, the very moment we gave our life to Jesus, we deconstructed some things. We deconstructed some things. Uh, I think about when I gave my life to Jesus. Um, when was the? Well, I get I gave my life to Jesus as a teenager, and then I left the church and I left the faith. So I guess you could say the second time I gave my life to Jesus and I returned to Christ, I was 23 years old. What was I doing then? I was smoking a lot of weed. Um, not in the very moment, but but the year prior, I was promiscuous. It was just all a lot of things. I was all over the place. Um, the year before, also I had had abortion. Um, There's just so many things, y'all. So many things. So many beliefs that I believed and were aligned to. But the moment I gave my life to Jesus, I deconstructed much of that. What does that mean? I unlearned um, what those things meant for me and what they, what I thought they were, and how important they were. And I learned uh, the truth. Because really that is what should be the purpose of deconstruction, to learn the truth, not just unlearn, but then relearn the truth, which is why reconstruction is essential for that process. And so I wanted to talk about deconstruction for a few minutes because I created an ebook uh, that I launched last week. And if you haven't checked it out, I really encourage you to check it out. You know, in the world of like marketing our resources for entrepreneurs and writers, we're often told like, okay, who's your target audience? Who is this resource for? Who is this book for? And this, this is really hard because this is for every Christian. <laughs> like I can't tell you like, okay, this book is for this, 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 this person, like there are maybe I guess you I could describe some specific kind of people, but really it's for every Christian. The reason why is because we all have already deconstructed the moment we gave our life to Jesus, and then we can get to continue to do it because it is a healthy thing to do. Now, can it be done unhealthy? For sure. Can it be done in a way that is not helpful and that doesn't direct us to towards Christ? Absolutely. Which again is why I wrote the ebook. It's called Wandering Towards the Way. It is the purpose of it is to help us wander towards Christ as we are wandering, as we're trying to figure out the answers, as we're asking questions, as we're deconstructing and reconstructing, as we're uh, as we're unlearning and relearning, as we're trying to navigate this very complex Bible and this very mysterious God. Right? We we really have these questions and if we don't have them we should think about why we don't have these questions but these questions like for example it's like what's with these scriptures about menstruation and sexual assault in the old testament right what's with um the four gospels being repeated like why are there four books that pretty much have the same verses and the same stories right um what's with uh genesis i mean just the book of genesis <laughs> like <laughs> 
I always laugh because the book of Genesis is one of my favorites. But y'all, that book is wild. Like if someone would have wrote a novel and like, and I didn't know like the, the Bible, like if I read a novel that was like the book of Genesis, I would be like, this is fire. This is, this is dramatic. This is outlandish. This is crazy. <laughs> I really love the book of Genesis, but there's some wild stuff in there. Right. And so there's questions that we have like about Noah and, and, you know, you know, I'm not even into it, but there's just so many examples, so many examples um, that we find in the Bible. There's so many things that we have been taught about Christ um, that are just not true. And the thing about not knowing the truth about something is that then we cannot live it out. If we don't really know the truth about Jesus, we can't live our life as if we know it. If we don't really know the truth about women's role um, in church and in the, in the home, then we can't really live it out, whether you're a man or a woman. If we don't read the book of Acts and understand how church structures should be or the book of Titus or first and second Timothy, if we don't have access or understand these things, then we're just floating. We're floating Christians and saying that we love Jesus and all of that. And, you know, that's beautiful and that's good. Uh, but that can only get us so far. That's that's the baby stage. That's the infant stage. But we want to be full blown adults in the faith. And the reason for that is because it edifies us. It grows us. It glorifies God. But it is good for the church and the world. It is good for the church and the world to have Christians that know God's word, know what they believe and why they believe it. Again, because when we know the truth, we live it out. If we all these are witnessing all these tragedies, all these things that are going on, and we don't have a reason for our hope, we don't have a reason to understand why hope even exists, how can it exist, why it matters, what power it holds, even things like that, we need to fully understand biblically what those things mean not just hope for fluffy sake and how cute it is because that's not going to get anyone anywhere on the hardest of days that's not going to get anyone anywhere uh, and so this book wandering towards the way is really for that is for those christians who are willing to deconstruct what have what they've been told what they've been taught um, and that doesn't mean that everything you've been told and taught is a lie but everything you've been told and taught is not true also <laughs> right so everything that we've been told and taught we should reflect on. We should reevaluate. We should renew our minds around. We should be looking at in such a way that really helps us know what do I believe and why do I believe it? Uh, and what should I stop believing that really isn't aligned to God's word? You can get that. I'm going to put the direct link in the show notes, but you can get it at wearefullcollective.com. And there's also an abundant amount of resources there. Um, in this very ebook, you'll also find teachings on Bible genres, Bible translations, uh, what they mean, uh, just different kinds of resources to help you navigate uh, this process of being a Christian in this world with this very complex book and a very mysterious God. All right. The last thing I said I would cover is seminary. What the heck is seminary? Why am I going? What's going on? So seminary is simply grad school, uh, specifically, though, for people usually studying the Bible or theology. Uh, so usually it's a school that only has degrees centered around the Bible and theology. Uh, so I'm getting specifically a Master of Arts in Biblical and Theological Studies. 
at Denver Seminary. No, I am not moving from New York City. It is an online program or predominantly online. I will be going in person to Denver next summer and in the next few summers for like a week intensive. Um, but it's really cool because it's a women's leadership cohort. So it's the same women I'm going to be with from now for the next three years. Um, and some of them are my friends. Um, and some of them and most of them I'm just getting to know and I never met before. Um, and so it's exciting and it's beautiful. Um, why am I going to seminary? So I probably won't ever make like a post about this and I'll have this like live hidden in this podcast for anyone who wants to listen to it uh, because it's a little bit more intimate. Uh, but for the past few years, uh, I've continuously received prophetic word. Um, and I believe in a prophetic word, especially if it's continuous from people. Um, some, some are not true, but <laughs> if it's continuous, that's, that's a sign, right? Um, it's a pattern, but I've received prophetic word uh, that I am called to pastor. Uh, now you may pause here if you don't think women should pastor. And so I'm so sorry if that is your, if that's, you got offended. Um, I don't mean to offend. Um, you know, if you have that theology, I love you still. And I hope you'll stick around and still continue to be willing to listen um, to me. Uh, I have a different theology than you around that, but, uh, and also conviction around that. But yeah, I've been prophesied several times for the past few years um, that I, that, that I'm called to be a pastor. And so funny enough, or interestingly enough, um, if you don't know this, I worked at two churches uh, and I worked usually in the operations area of those churches. Um, never was given a, a position to speak or preach. And so ironically now I am doing that. Um, but people uh, just never really positioned me in those places. But after working in churches is when people would con uh, begin to prophesy that to me. So about February, I got two people who said this to me um, within a week span. And I hadn't heard it in like a while, but within a week span, one person knows me well. So I was just like, oh, she's just trying to encourage me. But then the other person has not seen me in years, has not seen me in years. Um, and last time saw me in the old church that we worked at. Uh, and then just was like, yeah, when are you going to open your church uh, and be a pastor? And I'm like, what? So I prayed about it. And then I was like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to push this calling. If you want me to do it, I will do it, but I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to try to work or strive to, to, to become this. Um, you will make a way and position me in that. Um, and so, uh, and so I was like, okay, but I do want to take the next step to go to seminary now. In my investigating of becoming, a, like I investigated on what it means to be a church planner or pastor, I realized, wow, most church planners and pastors don't have to go to seminary, <laughs> which is a conversation for another time because I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. But, um, and I mean, I get, I know, understand that, there, that there's different contexts and different circumstances. Um, but yeah, I I was investigating. And I was just like, okay, I don't need to go to seminary. I'm like, but I want to go to seminary. I I'm someone who. I want to be able to do what God has called me to the best of my ability, which is why I ended up getting my master's in social work. I was a teacher in that time and had gotten my master's in educational leadership. And I was basically being a social worker for my students, but I just wanted to be equipped to be able to really serve them well. And so that's what I felt led to go to social, um, so to get my master's in social work, which is interesting because I was going to get I was going to go to seminary that fall and I decided not to and, and to get a, my MSW instead. But basically, you know, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to seminary, but Lord make a way for scholarships, make a way. I'm, I'm too stressed. This year has been a lot. Um, so I'm not going to like <clears throat> pay attention to this that much <laughs> in the application process. I'm going to do what I can. So I applied to three schools. I got into those three schools. Um, one, only one was giving me a scholarship. And then it kind of like got to like, I think may, and I just like forgot about all this. And it's just like, 
solar summit was like consuming me so i was like preparing for the solar summit and the week before the solar summit if you don't know what solar summit is is the annual conference that i host i hosted it for the first time this year in new york city and next year september 26 to 28 you should come by um but yeah i was just oh it was the week before solar summit and i get a text from a friend and she was like hey i heard you're interested in seminary and i was like how'd you hear that i have not talked to anyone except for like two people about this um and so i was like yeah and she was like okay denver seminary has this like cohort that they're trying to gather like women in leadership and women in ministry um and you should apply and i was like oh wow this seems seems so cool and it really was an answered prayer because i was really struggling um i, I didn't want to go to any schools in new york city because their their theologies the seminary schools in new york city their theologies are very different from mine um and i just know i wouldn't um be able to like grow theologically in those places uh but i also am struggled to go to school online and so i was like lord make a way for it to be like community-based because i know that's how i will be able to successfully complete a degree um, if it's online. And then that's what this was. It was a cohort of women, most of them doing similar things than me. Some are doing different things. Um, but it was just like, it was an answered prayer when I wasn't really praying for it. And I was like, God, you're kind and you're good. And, and those kinds of things also show us and remind us that if God has called us to something, um, he, he is going to make a way. He is literally the way maker, right? Um, and when I even forgot about seminary, he sent me a reminder. He's like, hey, I, I really do want you to do this. I really do want you to be a pastor. Um, and I don't know what pastoring will look in the future. It wouldn't, what, what those prophetic words were communicating, like, I don't know what that will look like. I'm open because I just love people. I want to shepherd people and I want people to uh, acknowledge that they are loved by God well and also to love God back well um, and love the world well. And so I don't know what that will look like in the future, but I'm taking the first step, going to seminary, um, and so we'll see what happens. And so that's kind of the reason why I'm in seminary, how I got here, um, and I'm just looking forward to it. Thank you for being on the journey with me, y'all. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Uh, yeah, it's been three years of this, and I and I hope to continue to just do it. This season, we're going to be talking a lot about healing, um, and healing a lot of different things. You know, in the past, usually I've con concentrated my healing around healing from church wounds, but We'll be talking about different forms of healing this fall uh, season, and I have some great guests that I'm really excited for y'all to learn from, and I also have some really beautiful Selah meditations that um, are in store for you. So I'm just grateful for y'all. I'm glad for you sticking around. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you do. Um, if you haven't told a friend about this podcast, um, I would invite you to tell them about it. Uh, and, you know, mainly women listen to this, but this is for the men's too. You know, they can hear this and hopefully be encouraged um, and be ministered to um, through this. And so again, I really appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. This is the launch of season six. Uh, and so this is probably maybe an, ep an episode you can share with people, even if they don't know me, uh, hopefully even in the, the kind of randomness of this episode, they can be encouraged. Uh, so I encourage you to share it. Uh, and yeah, please DM me or email me if you have any thoughts or any questions around the points I made about living justly or the points I made about the, the ebook on wandering towards the way and deconstructing or even on seminary. Uh, I think, you know, podcasts can be just so weird because we're just like talking at people and we don't know who's listening and I, I pray often for you guys for whoever is the listener on the other side uh, but I also love engagement and I think that's how we best grow uh, so if you want to DM me or email me uh, any thoughts or questions that you may have or if you're looking for a resource I would love to resource you uh, on a topic that I touched on uh, but also remember there are resources on our website uh, at wearefullcollective.com under offerings there's about 20 
resources there. Some are free, some are just a few bucks. And really they're there to help you continue to grow in your faith and be a, a good steward of this time that we have here on earth, which is limiting. And um, God wants, God is inviting us um, to respond to what he requires. What does the Lord require uh, to do justly, to love kindness um, and to walk humbly with him. And so I hope that you would choose to respond to that, that that would be the anthem of your life, that that would be the mission of your life and that you would be able to acknowledge that you get to live that out on a daily basis, that it doesn't have to be based on occasions or momentous um, moments or even milestones, that in our everyday uh, practical moments of life, we can live out Micah 6, 8 well and for the glory of God, for our own edification and for the goodness of the church. The church is in deep need of us, the church. The church needs the church. We can be critics of what's going on in certain extents, places um, within the church. Um, and But also we can be people who respond to what is going on, to be responders um, and be restorers to what is going on in different components of the body of Christ. Because she is not fully lost. She is not fully broken. She is just slightly bruised and, and needs um, people willing to help her heal and help her put back the pieces together for the glory of God and for uh, for the world. The world is in need of the church as well. And uh, we get to be that for the world, to do justice, to love kindness, uh, and to walk humbly with our God. So thank you again for being here today. Really appreciate y'all support and y'all just being here. Uh, whether, you, again, you've been here for the past few years or if you just got here recently, welcome to Yes and Amen. Y'all, I pray that conversation blessed you and that you're able to apply something you either learned or heard to your continued growth on your faith journey. I invite you to study more on the scriptures we talked about on this episode and don't let any conviction you experience go without prayer and action. Share any thoughts or testimonies you may have by leaving us a rate or review and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Meet us next time for another episode and if you don't already, follow us on Instagram following at PD or at we.r.fool to learn more about our growing community and get connected with us.